the greatest mind in gaming. This is not a normal episode. Well, hello there, and uh, welcome to Triangle Squared, where if you watch this on video, we did not turn on our beautiful um, LEDs, but you know what? I find it hard to carry. Here we are. Yeah. I was like, you can fix that if you want to when we get into it with me, at least. Yeah, we'll be fine. If you don't know who we are, we are Triangle Squared, the PlayStation podcast, and I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, Mr. Saul Bridges, bringing you guys episode 115, a weird episode indeed. It will be, and the main topic of the episode is going to be, and I'm going to start saying that at the beginning of the episodes, the main topic will be uh, based around a question from one of our community members where he asked, what do we think, who do we think is subjectively the greatest mind in gaming at the moment? Uh, or maybe in history, I can't remember the wording. We'll we'll look it up and yeah, I'm recall pretty sure. It. I'm pretty sure uh, it's favorite. And or... then subjectively, who or objectively, who would we say that it was? So we will get into that in a little bit. Um, I'm going to tell you, I did not do news because E3 is coming up, and this is just going to be a different episode. This is an episode that we're doing where it's going to act in a lot different way than what we normally do since E3 is going to be a week full of news so much anyway. We're just putting out an episode because we always promise that we'll never miss an episode, so we'll use this as a great opportunity to do something a little more loosely structured and a little more fun. Uh, So stick with us and see what we got. See how this turns out. We don't even know. He says today or all time. Let's go all time. Okay, because it actually it validates one of my answers. Okay, because I thought about it and I and and it actually does require to go all time back. Okay, well, if you've never heard of us or anything, then you can find us on YouTube in video format, which you might be watching right now. If so, Uh, and if you like what we're doing, subscribe, hit that bell notification to let you know when all of our videos go live. This show is every Monday at 10 a.m. PST and 12 p.m. CST, but we have other stuff that goes up on. Pretty much, we have something every Monday and every Friday. That's where we are right now, and as we continue to grow stuff, we'll hopefully get more stuff going. But hey, if you like any of our content, subscribe. Do that. We'd love to hear your thoughts on any of the things we talk about down in the comments below. So if you watch and want to give your two cents, feel free to do so. If you want to listen to us and not watch our ugly mugs, you can do so by going to podcast services, be it iTunes, at least for the moment, Google Play Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, does not matter if we're on If there's a podcast service, we should be on it. If not, tell us what get it fixed Uh, and if you want to be able to give your two cents on everything uh, then go to our social media you can find us on twitter at triangle sqrd on facebook at triangle squared a playstation podcast it's a group asked to be entered and we will gladly let you in you won't see saul there because he doesn't have a facebook which is respectable because evie um evil (laughs) it's evil okay do you mean that it has the potential to evolve into anything is it it's it's oh yeah yeah it could evolve into a fire type website Mm mm-hmm I think it's already been there before. I was going to make a joke, but it's, it's not professional. It's in poor taste. Yeah, it's in uh, poor anyway, taste. and lastly, if you want to join our day-to-day, moment-to-moment lives uh, of us and a lot of the community members, you could do so by joining the Discord, which we have down in the description below. There's a link for it, an automatic invite. You can go in there and talk with us day in, day out. And we're probably, I would say that Saul and I naturally tend to go towards that one more just because it's so much easier to get into and it's instant. Um, but we welcome you to talk to us anywhere. We love hearing from everybody. Uh, just like Sean one Neo who buddy, I hate to say, I did not think before we started recording, I've had a crazy day. 
to add your name to the enroll list, but you are a new patron. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. You, always buddy. love hearing from you. You're one of the people on Twitter that we hear from most often. It's always great going through. I always, always like seeing your name pop up notifications because that means something is going to be interesting to read. It's there we go. Fun. It's going to be a good time. And speaking of that, if you want to give us support on Patreon you like because you like what we're doing, then you can give as little as a dollar just like Sean did, and it gets you early access for our reader mail and early access for our off-topic podcast, Dickish at Best. Uh, with that being said, Saul, let's hop into this, man. What have you been doing this week? And I'm going to fix these lights while yeah, I Yeah, go ahead, because I realized I said, hey, you can fix those lights when we jump into this part. But then I realized that this part's going to be dead quick because I've, once again, only been playing one game. And you guys can guess probably what that game is, Destiny 2. So I'm going to throw this out there again, even though it doesn't get much response. Uh, it's gotten at least Jason to join and then uh, a couple of other people to play Destiny with us. But if you guys are looking for a good uh, place to play Destiny on PS4 with people who know what they're doing, who, who do in-game stuff, uh, let us know, whether it's in Discord, whether it's in Twitter, whether it's on our Facebook comments, because we play a lot of Destiny 2 now, and with the recent unveiling of stuff that is coming to Destiny 2, it seems that a, mo a lot of people who we thought may not stick around are actually going to end up sticking around, and we have enough people in our clan, close buddies, and then close buddies of theirs, who are becoming our close buddies, um, we raid like we we pretty much raid at least once or twice a week on on average. Something that we're planning on doing here just tonight is that hopefully we're going to be able to raid with everybody in our clan. Whereas we've had a um, a person that has been helping us that we found to help uh, that Sherpa's raids who explains raids to people, and that's Diana, and she's been a great help for us. But uh, we do want to try it on our own neither Brett or I, to my knowledge, at least for Brett, have ever tried to Sherpa a raid in Destiny nope. 2. So I think that's what tonight will be, and I think it'll be fun. Um, despite having some issues trying to just to Sherpa the last, uh, the zero hour mission for you and Evan. <laughs> there was some misunderstanding and some some definite uh, it's a weird mission moments. But, um, yeah. but yeah, so if you guys want someone to play Destiny 2 with and, and someone, then let us know because we have about... We have nine people total who are going to be active right now, um, and I, we have, and I say active right now. That's counting Donovan and his girlfriend, because right now we have seven people that are completely active. Like I hopped on today and I played uh, with Brett, not this Brett, other Brett, and uh, Joe for about four hours today. Okay, and so yeah, uh, but I did download Days Gone, got it in the state of play or Days of Play sale. <laughs> yeah. And I haven't played it yet. I was actually going to play that today when I woke up, and then I saw that Joe was online, and I'm like, "Oh, let's just go play Destiny with Joe." So yeah, yeah, I don't blame you. So yeah, let's. Uh, but that's it for me. Okay, I've Destiny been playing 2. Destiny two, but to give off of that thing, I've mainly been doing it to when I see people are on and just kind of doing that. For the most part, whenever no one else is on and I'm not feeling like you know, okay, I could be playing Destiny two with friends. I have been playing a Plague Tale Innocence and still loving it. It's great. I think it's a very unique set of ideas for a game. What one of my favorite things about it is that it does the thing that I think the Uncharted games do kind of here and there. And what ends up happening is like. Uncharted, because it's trying to be so much of an action-adventure game at the same time, has these moments that are just all about pure, raw action, and they're fun and they're crazy, but they're not very mechanically driven. So this game is very much going toward the idea of telling you a really great story, much like Uncharted, but instead of getting mixed up in third-person shooting with actual guns and stuff, you actually have a really limited weaponry. It's all based around a sling, 
but your sling is loud, so when you want to be quiet and stealthy, you can just throw some of the items to give you the same effect. And it's kind of about utilizing your areas around you and things around you. The game is, of course, about a plague. Uh, so you start to learn how you can manipulate the rats in ways that can benefit you whenever there are people blocking your way that you just either have to chase away or kill because there's no other way around it. You can throw rocks or sling rocks at people because, okay, in the game, the rats are uh, essentially scared of light, so they stay away from it. So they come out and they're really... Are they the main enemies of the game? Yes, okay. they're, and they're the main point of That's the That's what I figured too. with the name of the game. Yeah, so what ends up happening, which, I mean, you know, there are human enemies that come into play, of course, but the rats, they're both, I would say they're almost equal, but the rats end up having a more, you know, there's a big mystery behind them, so that I would say that they end up taking a little more pertinence, and you see them a lot, and they're a source of a lot of contention, uh, but it's fun, because, like, you know, you'll see a guard coming, and he'll have a torch, uh, and he'll be walking with a, with a lantern, uh, and if you see him coming and you think he's about to get you, then what you can do is you can take your sling, which is normally loud because you're swinging it around, right? Uh, and they'll hear you, but you can shoot or throw a rock uh, at their lantern, break it, and the rats will go and eat them. Interesting. So you're kind of using the light mechanics. Exactly. Your, and then there's other things benefit. you can do. So there's a, the rats have a thing that they make called Episanguis, and you can find it in a couple of areas. And what happens is you can use it for a number of things. You, one of the things that you first be able to use it for is being able to combine it with some other elements of stuff that you pick up so that you can aim and throw this thing. And what it does is act as a rat attractor. So if there's a hallway full of rats and you need a couple of seconds to be able to get through, but there's no light to be found, then you can throw that to attract the rats so you can get around. Another thing you can do if you want to get rid of them completely is you can use that to throw it there. And then there's another thing called like the luminosa or whatever, where you mix episanguis with some, or it's not episanguis, but something else. And anyway, you end up throwing it at them and it's a a light that essentially destroys all the rats in an area. Uh, And that you use that to get through secret hidden paths, things like that. Uh, Or like I said, sometimes just if you're just like, well, I have some extra what do you want to say? Like crafting materials. So I'm just going to go ahead and kill these rats so that they're not a problem down the line. Um, it's an interesting gameplay mechanic. And down I, the line, so like that can come back to bite you in the butt if you don't. Well, so like when you're in a big area, and the game is actually pretty good looking for a double A game, and uh, that's what I've heard about it. And yeah. it's pretty sprawling. One of the things I appreciate the most about it is it's it is a relatively linear game, but it does have paths. And one of the things I like the most is even with it being linear and like it's the level design funnels you in ways. But not in not with necessarily walls. It's just like, oh, this is an open area, so your natural instinct to want to go that direction just kind of kicks in. And there is some benefits for trying to explore. But you know where a lot of games make the, definitely in the AA sector, they make the parts where you're not supposed to go to, just by nature of trying to save for performance, they'll make them a lot lower texture, and it's obvious that yeah. they're out of your realm. This game has done such a great job, definitely with all of these millions of rats, definitely in later parts of the that game. It almost, all it almost around. fools you. Yeah, it's like you're looking out and you're like, by all means, it looks like I could go there. And I, it, it's been a really surprising game. The more I play it, the more I'm just... I, it's amazing. And it's only $50 brand new, which is, again, a great price point uh, for a double A, a little bit off from a triple A traditional price um i think it's a cool game and it's got a really interesting story and it's it's really it's set with some high fantasy stuff where it's just you know there is some layers of like curses and bloodline stuff that goes through it so it's not just 
a historical piece of you playing in a plague time, which is still cool, but it does have some elements of like, you know, supernatural things and whatnot. Uh, and I like that. It looks like a cool game. Like it, uh, the, the art, the art quality, I should say, reminds me a lot of Hellblade. Yes. And it, it suffers a little bit more in terms of like resolution on certain things. But one of the other things about it, and then I'll move off of it, but uh, I've been very surprised. The game hardly ever clips anywhere. Now that's something that impresses me. That's even incredibly like impressive. God of War slightly clipped in scenes. Mm-hmm. So she's got a With braid items, that comes down items. on her back, and every time she turns her head, it completely whips it's and like, flows over the clothes. The future of video games right there. I'll and be it really, so glad. again, really surprised me. The game, there are a couple of weird animations here and there for certain things, but... For the most part. Yeah, I don't want to spoil something, too. Uh, and whether well, definitely I'm, don't, because uh, this may be something I pick up. That's what I was going to say. For you off camera, if you wanted to, I'll tell you something that was really cool that just happened, I would imagine, mid-ish game. Um, so, pretty cool. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention last week was that we had the network test for Code Vein, um, and I actually did play it before we recorded last week. It just skipped my mind because we were busy. Uh, but I actually enjoyed that a lot. I think that it mixes a lot of what's good about the God of Your series from back when I played it on PSP and from what I've heard about it since it's come over to the PS4 um, and mixes some things from Bloodborne and whatnot in a really cool way. Uh, there's a lot of things I like about it that I think you might like too, like being able to change what your what do you want to call it? Like your blood token is or whatever. There's an actual word for it, but it changes up the abilities you have and you unlock more of them as you kill other things and you start to slot them in and it gives you extra range of things that you can unlock. Didn't that get pushed back to November as well? Uh, it doesn't have a date at, okay. as far as I know yet. You know, it got pushed back from last year. Now we just had this uh, network test, which seemed to go pretty positively. A lot of people really enjoyed it uh, and it ran, it ran well. So I would not be surprised if it's a game we'll see in the coming month or so. But cool. we, we don't have a date yet. Yeah, I'd be but excited. It was, it was I, I would be excited to look into it at least. Yeah. All right. And let's see. I haven't played anything past that. I did play a little bit of Crisis Core. Just uh, I opened up my Vita, my modded one, and charged it back up just to look into it. So when your modded Vita dies, does that uh, disable Hinkaku? Yeah. But all you do is go back just through go to and the just app re- And then yeah. re- reinstall Vita Shell. And you're done. And that's Vita Shell you mean by reinstall, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Those are some I was Well, no, about. Hankaku, actually. There's an app on your Vita. You right, but flip up and you'll tap did it. Did you not install Vita Shell? Does yeah, Vita you, Shell... you still have Vita Shell, but Vita Shell is just for your Vita... files. Right, stuff. so you only have to do Hankaku. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Cool. I'm too scared to emulate anything. I don't want Nintendo knocking at my door because I know they'd be the ones to knock at my door. Well, you can at least emulate PSP games that you literally just can't get anymore. Well, yeah, like what I would realistically want to do, and this is kind of where it goes back to like, what's the even point of like emulating things for me for this is like, I'd want to play Five Faces 7 and 6, but I could just go buy those. So yeah. I might as well just buy them. So, yeah, on those. Yeah, yeah, you're definitely right. So like Brett said, there is no news. There is no drop. There is no communities take this week. Uh, we, we could talk about, I mean, some things, but we're not naturally trying to do news where I went through and scoured things that interested me. I mean, if we wanted to talk about anything we saw this week that was interesting, we were more than welcome I, to. That's the thing is that with E3, I didn't see anything that interests me. I saw a lot of really? leaks, but I don't want to talk about leaks because, A, if they become true, I mean, it's not going to be spoilers at this point because this, well, this won't be out until Monday. Monday. But a couple of them are, in fact, Nintendo leaks that I saw that was cool. That doesn't come out until Tuesday. I didn't see any Nintendo leaks yet. Yeah, um, it's not much. It's, it's not something great, massively big leaks. It's just something that, like... Uh, well, I will say... Go ahead, sorry. I was going to say, it's just something that uh, it seems really, really cool that if it happens, that it happens. It's not something even that I will even care to partake in. Oh, but it's but, still, yeah. like, you can see the value in it. 
Um, yeah, I won't talk about what they are, just because, like you said, I mean, whatever. But the Bandai Namco side of things, I'm really curious to see how much of that is true. It looks like it's all true and believable. Uh, yeah. So I really doubt that it ends up being not true. Definitely with how much of it there was. Well, now with the Bandai Namco thing, are you talking about uh, Miyazaki or are you talking about something else? I'm talking about all of it. So okay. I-, I won't go too far. I'm not going to go too far. I just want to know if you're talking about Miyazaki or not, because that name is going to come up later. Yeah. As you, as most people who know me would expect. <laughs> yeah, that's not surprising at all. Um, one of the other things that we're going to do, we're going to forego the community's take this time around. Um Partially because I didn't end up posting it again like I normally like to, um, just to kind of remind everybody to kind of give their feedback on the uh, on the question that we pose in the end of the episode. So we're going to forego it this week. Like I said, this is a less than traditional episode. Um, so hopefully it's fun in the nature of what we're doing there. Um, but Shinigami? Mm-hmm. My boy. Um, all right. So what do you want to do? You want to start this deep, deep discussion about who you think is the best mind in video games and why? Okay, so yeah. Do you are, are we to, jumping to main topics that quickly? Yeah, I guess so. Like like we said, this could be a 40-minute episode. It's just, you know, there's going to be, when you think about it, Bethesda is about, what, an hour? And then we we typically hang out 20 minutes before and about 30 minutes after with our mm-hmm. thoughts. And then we have Microsoft. Uh, we have Nintendo. We don't know if we're doing EA or not, but we are doing Square. I mean, not EA. Not EA. Uh, They've Ubisoft. already played. Ubisoft, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I get those names mixed up, but yeah, we'll do, we'll be doing. And you guys who don't watch us live, I guess this is good information to know because by Monday you'll know this or you'll see this. Uh, but Bethesda, Microsoft, Nintendo, and uh, Square, and maybe Ubisoft. Yep. So if this, Ubisoft if you feel hard. like you didn't get enough of our, if you, if you like our personality and just want to hear more of us, and the episode's a little shorter than usual, which it probably will be, which is fine. Um, with it not i have no expectations of this episode uh so we're just gonna have fun with it but you will be able to see us in a bunch of other places it won't be triangle squared labeled since sony is missing e3 this time around but if you want to see us all together with blaze Blaze a lot of them at least for tomorrow's uh probably would be sundays maybe mondays we'll have to see well and that's the thing too that is that monday is only one right monday's only ubisoft right no no square 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 is taking sony's spot oh so monday 6 p.m 7 p.m.? I know eight? it's not 8 p.m. Is it not 8 here? I don't think so. I don't remember. I know Microsoft's doing something weird. Like, it's not the normal time. Microsoft's like 4.30. Okay. So, we're going to have to keep that in mind. But so, you'll see us um, across those yeah, places if you want to. Feel free to, a, to go back a couple videos and check them all out. It's basically going to be us live streaming our reactions. And, of course, uh, you may be wondering, hey, why are these weird little short videos on the channel all of a sudden? It's because while we're getting ready, I'm going to film a little short video of just like a, like a vlog-style video. And I'm going to say, hey, guys, we're going live in 30 minutes or so. Be sure to come check us out. Uh, so those probably won't end up getting deleted from the channel, but we probably end up purging them anyways. So just in case if you well, who see knows, those, maybe, maybe we'll do the actual thing, but then we'll also have a thing over here, and the whole time Saul will just be there going, "Oh my god!" and it'll be, "Oh my god!" <laughs> I forgot my phone was on loud. Is that actually your ringtone? <laughs> I forget. I keep forgetting to change it. We're about my to have a reenactment. Loud. We're about to have a reenactment of a reenactment. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so. I guess we can go ahead and jump in this. Do you want to do subjectively the best mind slash company? Because the way I'm doing this is I'm lumping them together. I'm taking the best company and then the best director slash developer uh, head at that company. Well, see, why. if we're going to say mind in gaming, doesn't that somehow pull toward? I mean, I'm it, just trying to pull go, towards the company. It, well, no, if it's mind in gaming, it would pull towards an individual, in my opinion. Well, so when I think of it that way, like if you tell me what's the greatest mind in video game, I'm thinking of like a director. 
Uh, and well, somebody who actually has creative or even a creative director. You know, some games have multiple people, right? So if, if it's more about the way the game feels to you and that's the greatest mind, then it's the general director or the gameplay director, fine. Oh, if yeah. it's the creative I director. I just something. He did say um, best mind and video games development, not developer. I, for some reason, was thinking developer. So, like, to tie somebody together. My two are going to stay the same. Well, but what is the difference between development because and Because I was actually going to throw a developer in there. Yeah, but... No, no, who, who... Listen, he says, who do you think is subjectively the best mind in video games and video games development today? I guess that is it, then. I think he means in video games. If, it might in be a video games Yeah, so in yeah. video games development. So it'd be a so, developer, not a publisher. And that's why I want to say, I don't want to go specifically toward companies. Um, and because part of what ends up happening, and I'll just use oh. it as an example, right? Uh, from software, if you just want to throw it in there, I think it's way more, you get a lot further by saying Miyazaki and talking about the games that he's gone, because I think that for a lot of people, the agreement is pretty much there that it's not just from software. It's from software when Miyazaki's heavily involved because Dark Souls 2, by a lot of people's count, is a lesser game. So so let's go with, let's go with subjectively, right? Or no, let's go. Let's, uh, let's go with objectively. Go like, to objectively, objectively first. So, something that is backed by facts <clears throat> and, and evidence on why it's there. So what, and why we think it's that. What I want to do there is I want to set what we think are the realistic grounding rules of what we can use as factual. Because right, because this isn't. It's not as much about factual in a situation it's, like yeah, this. Not, not factual. It's, it's more, more about if you really stable. think about it, statistics of like yeah. sales figures because. And it's going to go a bunch of different ways, right? I think some people can clearly argue that just because the game sells well does not mean that it's necessarily some kind of great revolution in gaming and that maybe that's not deserving of the title of the best mind in gaming. But I think you can do something where, like, if you look at something like... Um, um, Don't forget, let me forget to order a pizza when I leave here. Okay. <laughs> just I thought that the other day. I just opened my phone up to do it now. I'm like, no. Too bad we don't live stream this and just put the onus on everybody who's listening at the time. Yeah, um, that'd be hilarious. But, you know, one of the things that comes down, though, is like if you look at Kojima as an example, it's like, well, he's somebody that a lot of people actually do look at as a great mind in gaming while his games do sell a profound amount. Right. So it's like, would... what, what are the... What are the Boundaries that we want to say are the requirements. I'm just going to say, like, to say that it is 100%. Someone who has developed multiple games that aren't broken or flawed in massive quantities to make them unplayable, and something that has a general consensus of positivity behind. So, I would say, like, Mario. There's never been a broken Mario game. Sure. And they've always had high praise. I would say that you could you that that could be somebody's objective answer. I'm like, yeah, you know, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, because it's going to be different for everybody because it depends on what they play. Of course. So, uh, which kind of is a little bit subjective, but it's kind of what they think is the objective one, right? It's their opinion on what the it's objective almost one like is. objective has to be the accumulation of a lot of people's subjective answer coming together. Right? Pretty much, yeah. So, and that's why, like, I'm that's why Mario is an example is because there's never been a broken Mario game. There's never been a Mario game with tons and tons and tons of flaws, or at least a lot of them. And then there's and there's general praise behind them. That's not mine, but then you would say that. Um, well, and is it the same? Is it the same mind behind them every time? Well, and that's, that's and that starts to be the thing. But that, that's where mine is. I, I still get where you're coming from, though, right? Even if you wanted to say, well, every Mario game that has been backed by, and I don't know the creator of Mario because I'm not a fan. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not I, a fan. It starts of with the M, and <clears> I really. Hold on, let me just Google it real quick probably, because it's probably some me. shit like Miyazaki. I mean, some crap like Miyazaki. I'm sorry, I am. I'm tired. And <laughs> um, Miyamoto. Miyamoto. I was like, I don't know how. Yeah, it was really, really bothering me. Why I couldn't remember that. 
So if you were to guess who I would think is the most objective video game mine slash developer, who would you who would you who would you think? Who would you think it is? Okay, so using my bloop 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 bloop, you know, uh, digging into your mind, telekinesis, uh, whatever you want to say, reading. If you get it, I won't be very surprised. If I get it, yeah. You'll be very surprised. If you get okay, it. well, I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna go through. So the first thing I'll say is not necessarily what I think it is. I'm going through using. I'll just say strike one. Or using, strike. using things that you say often enough. Okay. I think the and people who the games I love the people who most quickly will come to mind. Yep. Are going to be Miyazaki, obvious. Uh, well, from anybody who knows you, objectively, those games are flawed because they're they release and they have frame rate issues and stuff like that. So it's not objectively. Sure, but, but I'm maybe saying, in part two. Mm-hmm, I'm but, just explaining why. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Uh, I think that there's also clearly an argument toward uh, um, Kojima because most yeah, people would, would agree, agree that his games do not come out bugged or anything like that. General high praise. And it's them. obviously somebody that is often talked about that you also like. And because one of the things that's going to happen in this conversation, True. right, is it has to be somebody that we're aware of. There might be I somebody mean, that we're not aware of that's, who, that's, who is a great It is somebody answer. that you may not know his name. I would be surprised if you didn't, but some people are not going to know this person's name. Okay. Okay. Sakaguchi. He is the director of classic Final Fantasy games. Okay. So he, yeah. Final Fantasy VI, Seven, all those. Yes. That is who I objectively think is one of the best. And we are going games. all time. Yes, of all time. And I, I said that because like this is where I said part two is technically Tabata, who is the newer Final Fantasies. Um, I, we're not allowed to at all. But we're only doing one for each one. Well, Tabata's only been involved with Final Fantasy since Type Zero and Crisis Core. Well, they've all the newer been, ones. They've, they've all been shoot offs, but the main line hasn't been backed by Tabata until fifteen. Right, but the newer so, the newer families of uh, Final Fantasy, whatever it is, like the newer like. But just to offshoots. be clear, are you saying that you think Tabata is a great mind in gaming? Yeah, but he's not my objective favorite mind. Okay, I mean, I'm Tabata only, brought us Crisis Core. I'm only surprised by that specifically because of your distaste for 15 is yeah. the wording I'm going I mean I can appreciate 15 I can't appreciate how it was delivered yeah because 15 has fair. a really cool world has some really cool characters has what it's trying to tell is a really cool story it just does all of them terribly mm-hmm. in and execution as you know uh, Atlas one of our Patre- Patreons uh, mentioned on Discord today uh, there's very clearly a high chance that the game is in a much better state now with all of these updates they've done but that's not the game that I beat and platinumed and remember so well, oops and i just got the table off thing because this chair is just, oh well we'll be okay but be uh, all right anyways yeah like what what you're saying is that like for me i already bought the game twice i have to buy it a third time to get the royal edition i feel like to get everything right or when did you buy the game twice i bought it once at release and then i did not like it and then it finally dropped back down or dropped to 20 bucks digitally and i picked yeah. it up digitally during a um a sale not this last November, but the November before that, I think. Or wait, did it come out around the same time as Battlefront One? No, a game came out in fifteen. We weren't doing this show when when fifteen came out. Really? So it was. Are uh, you sure? So sixteen. I'm sorry. Came well, technically, out we've been doing this show. November since of 2016. We've been doing this show since November 2016, haven't we? No, we did it. Uh, we started this show. Wouldn't this be our 33? Actually, no, you're right. I think you are right. Yeah, we have. I was going to say, this would be our 33. E3's in June. So that means we had a June in, in 2016. Because we did the E3 with Shadow of the Colossus reveal, which was in that room. And then we did last year's E3, Just which was... show you what we remember. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, dude, as you get older, the years get like scrambled. But yeah. back onto the main topic. But yeah. 
Sakaguchi uh, is definitely one of my favorites. And I do think that the games that came out of his mind, you know, like I said, seven and six, they are some of my most memorable games from my life. And typically when it comes, not from my life though, um, but when it comes from general reception, Final Fantasy VII, one of the most popular games of all time, if not in the top two. Yeah, maybe a highly revered game. Yeah. So much so that, of course, there's a million people who are worried about the state of the remake. Me too, me. So, I mean, yeah, I can understand that. So, Saul's worried about fixing the table. I appreciate it, though. Um, okay, so you objectively consider that a safe bet, and I think backing that, I think it's a safe bet as an answer. You know, if you wanted to say... It's not even a safe bet, really. It's just more of a... It's more of like a gut feeling for that thing. Sure, sure. But I mean, you know, there's that landing on that and then being able to have an outward analysis of like, do I feel like a lot of people, because we're using this objectively, do I feel like a lot of people would con- would concur with that? Yeah. When you, you think it, when you look at gamers as a whole. Do you feel that Final Fantasy VII was beginning? generally reveled? Do you feel like Final Fantasy VI was generally, generally leveled? Eight, well, I, can't, well, I can't say reveled. Revered? Or that too, yeah, revered. Isn't reveled the same, work in the same spot in the sentence? Um, Look, I, like, I did something weird last night, like where I stayed up till 10 o'clock and I slept in till 10 o'clock. So, revel is to enjoy oneself in a lively and noisy way, especially with drinking and dancing. So, so reveled would not work. No. <laughs> Damn it, Bungie and uh, the, the revelry. revelry. Yeah. <laughs> I, something in my mind told me that's why you were going there. Right. But um, I think that, like, to me, it's like when you think about it, when you think of games throughout the years or even in today's time, games like Final Fantasy VI, Final Fantasy VII, Final Fantasy VIII, those games have had influence on games that are coming out to this day. And there are still games that are being made that are using that as an image and using that as a stepping stone and being made because that creator of that game played this game. See, and that gets to be a weird thing, right? Because it's almost an unfair shake of where by answering it when we're answering it that will be undoubtedly true of people who are making games right now down the road and that's why i think it gets to be a weird thing because a lot of people will be like well the beatles is there's no way that they're not objectively the most important band of all time because there's still so many bands that use them for well this is thing and, and i'm not saying that it's wrong either it's just a weird answer because it's like well, but they've been around for so long that, of course, everyone's going to have the opportunity to listen to them. But does that mean that you can't be a great-minded music now without having been influenced by no, the no, Beatles? No, no, no. Nope. And I'm not saying that's what you were implying either. No, that's – yeah, but it's not – it's definitely not. I'm just saying that there have been so many game developers and people who have jumped into this as a hobby as a, and as a job because of games like Chrono Trigger, like Final Fantasy VII and Eight, and um, – he made Lost Odyssey for Xbox 362, which yeah. I really liked, which that game was actually not well received. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's more looked back on as a cult classic now because people hated that game when it came out. I freaking loved Lost Odyssey. But what what was the reasoning? Was it because it was a Square game on Xbox when I, Square was so synonymous I with think PlayStation? That, yeah, and I think... And I don't it, know for sure. It was it had that weird almost um, uh, Legend Dragoon battle system, like where it was turn-based, yes. but then you had that often moment to hit a, hit a certain action button in the sequence. I love that. The game started off really cool. The game started off with a sequence that reminded me a lot of Lord of the Rings. Like what I, what the little battle I've seen in Lord of the Rings. Okay. Um, but yeah, like I do think that for me, that's, that's, that's my biggest choice is because, it, and the way I'm looking at it too, is that if somebody said, you know, statistically, if so-and-so made a game or Sakaguchi made a game, I'd be more likely to go with Sakaguchi to say that that game's going to be more solid of an answer. 
um, just going off of everything he's done and his, you know, his resume with games, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I think that's my – it is a safe bet because, realistically, Kojima would have been one of mine. I actually thought about that. But then there are games that are that are his that, that do get generally poor reception. Like what Ryan said, Metal Gear Solid 2 actually does get poor reception because of, you know, Raiden. Yeah. And I think it's also just sophomore, right? I, even if the game isn't bad, a lot of games Uncharted have a hard 2. time having the, the sophomore slump. Now, the thing about that is... Actually, when I think about it, Uncharted, Uncharted 2, 2 is not a sophomore slump as much as Uncharted 1 was never as big as Uncharted 2 got. So Uncharted 3 ended up getting the sophomore effect, even though it wasn't a sophomore game. But it was, for what it was, it was most people's second time playing an Uncharted game. You know what's crazy? I just never realized Uncharted 2 is a good comparison and parallel to Metal Gear Solid for me. Metal mm-hmm. Gear Solid 2 started out amazing. Then when it come downhill, even though it's a good game by the end, it's just it got worse as it went. But it still was a fun game to play, and it was still a good game. It just the the game to me felt worse or felt yeah. tedious, and both of those actually had that same evolution. Fair enough. I mean, because you start off in Metal Gear Solid Two as Snake, yeah, <laughs> for like I think about probably about thirty ish to maybe forty five minutes. Yep. Um, and then of course the train sequence in two doesn't last, but about. Mm, 20 minutes maybe what's crazy about the train sequence is that later in the game what leads to the train sequence is really cool it is and then by the end of that like just the the boss it's the two then the ending of two just like it got so tedious i actually enjoy the boss fight as think that he's a bad villain but that's not what we're talking about it's not um but we didn't need filler to pad this episode out (laughs) (laughs) doesn't matter to me uh Uh -uh. but what what about you because you're you're in your mind objectively for me is something i can't picture uh, somebody being like, I can't, for some reason I can't picture who you are thinking. Like, I can't even think like I would say Yoko Taro, right? But okay. Well, see, you're leaning toward things that are obviously going to come up in the subjective side, right? Well, but that's the when thing, you start that... thinking about it objectively, like I said, there was a weird thing about why I wanted to, to try and come up with a criteria as to what we would have to view as objective. Uh, and one thing that you mentioned that I think does give me a clear answer if we're going to follow that um, to an extent, and I think it's very important for a number of reasons, even following into something that's going to go tie into your subjective, at least one of your subjective picks, depending on which one you actually land on. Uh, but I know he'll be, he'll be mentioned. But, um, you know, in my mind, when we look at influence and w- the impact that it had on other creators to either start them creating or change the way they decided to create and things like that, if you want to look at impact of, of creators and use that as an objective measurement, you which could. I do think is a fair enough one yeah i mean um, think about it i use that for uh Sekiguchi. exactly it, it's a thing I mean. that so people can use going toward that and this also is one that i love and he would have been mentioned anyway in one of my um uh, in my subjective, subjective answer but it's fumido ueda um which uh, is shadow colossus yeah. it's team Ico, um and when you look at it, it's Ico shadow colossus you know, and that, that's i don't think would get ridiculed like i don't think that, that is no. an incorrect objective N- answer because when you think about it, he said a president of games for for art and for emotion and he the games performed well like they had they had what people would be considered clunky controls but they were done on purpose well and even then you know realistically Ico and Shadow of the Colossus neither of them really received negative anything it wasn't until that he didn't necessarily have a game that had somewhat negative things tied to it until the last guardian and it's honestly I feel like it's pretty obvious that it's a case of 
a game being announced way too early, so allowing people in their mind to hype it up to a level of a, of a product that it could have never matched to begin with. I mean, that's true, too. Um, so I think when you look at those things back-to-back, I think that even then, for what Ico and Shadow of the Colossus both did amazingly, if The Last Guardian would have been announced first in 2016 or 15 and then came out in 2016 or whenever it is that it came out. I think it was. It came out a little bit later than 15. The delay delay that happened to that game was rough on the game itself. It was, of course. And it had a lot of issues and things that went around. Uh, And and then, of course, he ended up leaving Studio Japan and then just coming back and saying, as gen design, we will still oversee development with Studio Japan. Why we've seen that weird teaser. We saw it, like, what, a year and a half ago? A year Mm -hmm. ago? And we haven't really heard nothing from it. But I think that anytime a game is delayed and then comes out broken of any kind, it's it's really bad for the developer. Exactly, Hence bend. With well, and I don't gone. even think the game was broken. That's what's so funny. Well, I say broken, but I mean well, um, and, and and that flawed. Even it isn't even that based around a lot of different things because the game had absolutely nothing wrong with it to me. I mean. Uh, performance was stable, wise, didn't crash. See, for me, it see, crashed. But for you, it did. I think it was my PS4 though. Yes. I really do because. The game would make sense crashing in a certain moment that nobody's had a problem with at a certain time, but the hardware would. Yes. There's something there conflicting with my system that sure. was shutting my system And I off. could see that. But I think then, even then, when I look at it from an objective standpoint, that game was still pretty widely loved. I yeah. mean, so, and I'm not saying that it hit the same heights as Shadow of the Colossus obviously did. Ico was one of those games where... It inspired a lot of people, and it did really well, and it reviewed really well, and it caught a lot of people off guard, but it never got the attention and the widespread acclaim in the same way that Shadow of the Colossus did, not only in the journalistic side of things to where the media loved it, but also fans loved it in a much larger number than we saw with Ico because the for certain for Ico the amount of people behind who who actually decided to tap into the game was much larger but I think when you look at both of those and you look at what he's done for gaming and even then when you see that through line all the way through to the end of The Last Guardian which I think is a beautiful game and one of my favorite games this generation I think that he's a great answer for it if we're going to use the measurement that it's going to come from impact, which I do think is a smart one. It is an odd one. Just like I said, how sometimes a lot of people always go, well, are they, you know, are they influenced by the Beatles? It doesn't really matter if somebody's influenced by Ueda as much as it matters that, you know, for you, when we're leaning and starting to kind of segue into uh, the subjective side of things, Miyazaki clearly states Ueda as his biggest influence for wanting to get into making games, which is nuts. Yes. Considering the person that he is versus the games he makes versus Ueda. Yes, you, you, you wouldn't see no. the connection. No. So I, I, I honestly, like, if I probably would have thought hard enough, I might have guessed that for you. But for me, you already know my subjective answer, which is why I have a cheat subjective answer that actually only got brought up a minute ago. Go for it. So my cheat subjective answer is uh, Shigeru Miyamoto, who, of course, made Mario. But not only did he make Mario, he made Zelda. Yeah. Um, and I do think that that is uh, one of my favorite series of all times. Uh, yeah, but see. Uh, and history and, and, with that. Like I said, but, let's, let's separate it out a little bit, right? If we're going to look at Miyamoto or whatever, uh, and I know he created Zelda. Did he create Zeldas that you look at as your favorite Zeldas? And I, I'm trying to give a little bit more of a reasoning behind. I think he's been a director on every one of them. From what I remember, I, I didn't think so. I thought he returned with. I, I think the first Breath three, of the Wild, for, technically, and after then Ocarina. Well, I'm talking about the ones that I'm talking about specifically. Sure. Like the ones that meant a lot to me. Uh, but I might be wrong. Look at the director of Ocarina of Time, because uh, I don't think he was. I don't think he was the director of Wind Waker, but I might be wrong on that one. Even though Wind Waker is one of my favorites. Hmm. Um. But 
Let's but, see, I'm sure we could look at it as, here and as, see as which as games a, he did or did not work on. As that is a cheat answer because we are a PlayStation podcast. Uh, well, I mean, I don't care who it is. I, I want your answer to be based off of who you truly believe. Well, and I, I, This is just a fun episode. Yeah. Hey, you know what? We've talked about PlayStation enough. <laughs> well, and it's not that, but it, it is that. Like, I did think of that. But it, it, the one that first came to mind was, of course, Miyazaki with From Software. Because uh, if it's not Zelda at my number one favorite video game company or not company uh, video game series of all time, it is uh, the Soul series. Whether it's Dark Souls, Demon Souls, Bloodborne, um, they all are fantastic games. And I still need to replay through Sekiro or Sekiro before I make a final decision on what I think of that game is. I do think it's good, but I don't think it holds a candle to anything else in the series. See, uh, uh, Takashi Tezuka was the director for A Link to the Past. Oh, that's crazy! Why did I think Miyamoto? I know he was a creator for certain. I don't mm-hmm. know why I thought he was not the head. He was not the head. And that's um, what I thought because one of the things about both Breath of the Wild and Mario Odyssey was that he came Mi- back yeah, for Miyamoto both of them to have those. a very big. So who was it? Ocarina impact. of Time. Can you find out about that real quick? Yeah, because sure. I really thought Matt Miyamoto was on Ocarina of Time too. But well, he may have. I, I, it probably was well, one of those that, things where he bounced in and out, right? And the thing about me, like personally, is that whenever it wasn't until Yoichi Yamada and there were three of them, Izzy, uh, Yonuma, and Yoshiaki Koizumi. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Yamada was the lead on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's it was for me. It wasn't until I got older in the past five years that I start paying attention to names on mm-hmm. games and companies and stuff. So like, it's just stuff whenever I was younger. And I was like, now he acts as a producer on all of them, which right. means that as the creator, he, he has, has some input yeah, in all of them. Yeah, but he's not the head input like Miyazaki is, or Miyazaka, Miyazaki is to uh, mm-hmm. Souls. But yeah, I've talked, talked, I've talked, 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 talked. Talk. I can't talk apparently, but I can say the word "talk" and say it a hundred times in one in one ten second thing. Uh, but I've talked about Soul series for a million million times and a million reasons uh, before uh, in this show. And it just kind of all resonates with those reasons and why is it? It saved me from a spot in gaming where I was bored and tedious with every, it was just, I just didn't want to play games and it didn't have to do with like my emotional state of any kind. It just was like, I'm tired of Borderlands 2 and Halo and Call of Duty and there's no RPGs on Xbox that was worth playing that I hadn't already played. So it's one of those things that it... I look up to it a lot as a series because, hey, when this game series came out, it it helped me get back into gaming more so. But, of course, this isn't why I think he's subjectively the mastermind. Yeah, because I was about to say, I mean, I, I understand why you may have very fond feelings of him. But... Right. This is more of a um, – this is more why I think he's reveled as that – Revered? Revered as that um, – uh, Isn't it very telling that so far in this conversation we've not mentioned an American developer or a Western it's developer? Very, it's very telling. Um, I think it goes to show how much gaming's, at least modern gaming's was, renaissance coming from Japan has an impact. Was that a hint from you saying you're going to say Peter Molyneux and Fable? No. That's a good answer. No, I, I do think he's a very interesting one, and I, but also he's one of those ones where, for as interesting it is and everything he said, half of if, if, oh, if yeah. everything he said would have came true. That's Todd Howard's dad. He probably would have been an amazing you know, person, but I think. Same could be said for Todd Howard. <laughs> for as much as I like the games he's made here and there, uh, I think he's often fallen victim to overhyping himself. We Even might. if he had best made intentions, if it I was hope to that's do that, best yeah. made intentions yeah. because that was some pretty blatant fraudulent activities going on with those. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I do think that the reason why I think he's the subjective mastermind of them all uh, is because of the way that the games make you think and the way that the games are generally revered among people in the gaming communities, and it's one of those kinds of series uh, is. 
that he could bring to life that will motivate you to go and play this series. And then once you play the series, you become a voice for the series. It's very rare that I've seen somebody play through all the games before and and get through all the games and just been like, no, nah, that wasn't that good of a series. It, it quickly becomes most people's favorites. And it's very hard for a uh, game series to do that for most people, right? Like, you've played most of them. You really enjoy those games. Yes, you, I love them. Yeah. And I've never met somebody who's gotten through those games. And by gotten through, I mean gotten and played them and, and sunk time into them. Because um, it's, it's almost like what you're saying is the games are either 100% for you and you only play through them because you love the hell out of them, or you dip out early because you realize yeah, they're and, not for you. And them. that's kind of rare in this gaming day and age, right? Like A lot of people can float through a game and just get to the end of it and go, meh. Well, everybody can pick because up. Because it's like, oh, it was, I played it. It was an experience. I right. didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. And I think a lot of people end up with that in some games these days. And everybody um, has games to pick up and play, like Destiny, Red Dead, Grand Theft Auto. Like where it's a game you can pick up and play and then put back down and then come back to weeks later or whatever and play casually and stuff. These games, I've never heard of somebody doing that. I'm, I know there's people that have done that. I know for a fact that there's people doing that. But I always find that interesting because I, I'd like to have a conversation with a person like that. And if you've played those games on and off before... Uh, let me know, and they kind of just use them as pick me up games when you weren't playing much else. But yeah, like see I, that you're you're right though. It's so hard to do right. One of the reasons I haven't gotten back to Sekiro is that once you take a break it's, from it, it's you're not done. it's not a, it's not that I'm done. It's that it, I'm I'm done well, until I come back to it and it only. Yeah, you're done for that character. You're pretty much not gonna go back on that character. Probably. Yeah, yeah, very unlikely. It's and that's how and, I and I didn't I, intend for it to happen that way. But since that's where I'm at. You're right. It's not a game that I can go, well, I'll play it Tuesday and then Saturday and then maybe that's, the and next that's Wednesday. that's what happened with me in that game is I, like, I didn't just like lose all my uh, motivation to play it. I just, there's something happened and I had to take a few days break and I tried to jump back into it. And it's just like, you're not in the groove, mm-hmm. you know, and then you, it happens again and you're just like, well, I'm just going to put this down for now. It's See, every one time. of those games for me is however long it takes to be typically, and it's why it's the same for Sekiro. Um, but it's like every one of those games for me is this, from the moment I pick it up, it's the only thing I play until I beat it. Yeah, and that's kind of what it goes to, unless I'm replaying something. If I'm replaying Dark Souls 1 or whatever, I'm using that as, as a game I described as a break game. You pick it up and you play it for a little while and you put it down. But it, I know you where don't every, necessarily care if you actually beat it or not. In that I know where everything is in that game and I know exactly how that game works. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like that. Um, but yeah, like it, it is rare for me to see a lot of negative attention towards Miyazaki and his game series that's not about difficulty because that's always going to be a thing. That's always going to be a clickbaity uh, opinion article that's going to come out. This time around, it was the disability thing uh, with Sekiro, which kind of is blown. It still blows my mind to this day because that didn't happen with Dark Souls. Well, and it was still so inherently tied with difficulty, though, right? It was about the right. game is so difficult. Well, that's, that's what I mean about, by there's a new spin on it. Yeah, it's like that's all it was. It was it was like. Hey, we want to use the same battle, and I'm not saying it's not—it's not something that deserves to be talked about, but it's almost obvious that it was just like, well, how can we find a way to not just regurgitate the fact that these games are hard? Ah, let's talk about the spin of—I'm sure that there are people who, from the get-go of even Demon Souls, have been saying, "Hey, you know, it'd be great if there were some options for people who have disabilities," but that's right. never been the argument used before, and I think it caught—it caught ground partially because of the culture we're in, of course, where it's easy yeah. to pick up on something that grabs and then just roll with it. And then, of course, there are people who really truly believe it and go behind it and say, "You know what? Why?" It's Can't a conversation that's about. worth having. Exactly. I just think that it's pinpointed more towards console developers and not game developers. But um, 
but yeah, it, it is one of those things that is that that gets talked about every time these games come out is how hard they are, how challenging it is, and it always starts conversation about the games, and it's always talked about without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, that thing's terrifying. I saw that earlier. Somebody made a Wario out of Bionicles, and they made him only with Bionicles. He looks like a Bionicle. He looks like the third, the third gen of Bionicles, where they had a the little tab on the back where the head <laughs> shoots out. Yeah, but um. But yeah, I think I've said enough about uh, Miyazaki. I'm gonna have to get up and stretch my thigh that I broke in the bathtub. I'm yesterday. really surprised you didn't even give some kind of a corner of light to. <laughs> I love how you're telling your life story over there, but I'm surprised you didn't even try and give a little shout out corner to, to Kojima. Kojima, no, he, I've I, I've spoken enough about him too. That people know that if you're a Kojima fanboy, then then you can't start and not stop talking about Kojima. And I gotta, I can't do that because <laughs> I gotta stand up and stretch. Okay. Oh, Saul's groin is pulled. <laughs> that's what i'm gonna continue to say because it's just more funny uh okay so going toward mine i think saul already kind of hinted at what it was going to be and i don't think that that's really a surprise to a lot of people who've spoke with me long uh, i do obviously want to give a shout out to ueda i think his games are fantastic and they really do resonate with me in a way that very few games do uh, but if I'm going through the subjective side of things, there is something so great to me about the way that Yoko Taro, who is behind the Guard series and the Nier series that has finally, with Nier Automata, picked up a lot of attention. Uh, and there is just something to be said about the way that he views game development. Uh, and... It could be as simple as because his games are already so odd and, and, and evoke a very different response in me that I decided to dig in and hear more about him. And these could be things that are shared by a lot of developers. But one of the things I love without going too far into any of the stories, uh, the enemy in Nier exist in a way to where there's a point in the story where you learn that they aren't what you think they are. The first one, right? The first Nier, the original Nier. Uh, and in that game, you're looking through, and Nier Automata does do a lot of reflections back to the first game. What were you um, saying? So, <laughs> I'm really trying not to hear anything about Nier 1. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's very, very, very What's well, crazy is that... Nier like... Automata has a lot of mirror. Okay, perfect example. You know how in the Star Wars prequel trilogy, there are a lot of mirroring moments that are set up to there be is. like, ah... That's a throwback and kind of tie-in and revisiting of something yeah, that was like talked about. Yeah, that's like a recreation of this before it happened yet. Yeah, or not, not even that, but it's like a reusing of this of the ideas, or even sometimes a flip of a similar idea. Well, we had this right. character. What if we made the exact opposite of him, and you saw it as, oh, that's see what like, they're doing. Yeah. They're utilizing this moment to go in the opposite direction. Or, or they're even using the new this. Star Wars movies doing it. Yeah. Flashback or callbacks to the old Star Wars movies. Exactly. So anyway, what, one of the things that Nier Automata does is it does a lot of story beat things, which are an homage and tie into what the first game did. Uh, so in Nier Automata, there's also a thing where the enemies that you're fighting that the majority of the game you think are one thing, and you think that their motivations are one thing, but then by the time that you come to get to the game, you realize that it's not exactly what you thought it was. You think they're nightmares, but they're dreams. <laughs> God, but in the first game, uh, what and the one of the things I love about him when he talks about it, uh, he looks at and this goes back just to give you a little brief history before we go into that. Drakengard One is a game full of terrible Bugs. people. Oh. <laughs> No, it's a game full of terrible people. All of the characters in the game are crazy. They're murderers, or uh, maybe they, you know, partake in incest, and that's their thing. Or maybe they like children, and that's a. It's all about the terrible parts of mankind and making characters that are very driven uh, and not necessarily one note, but obviously driven more by one very destructive character trait, and going through and seeing how those things work together when you have all these people. That's what all the Drakengard games have been. They're all a story around people um, 
who were and actually Dragon Guard Two did it the least, but it was also done by Ubisoft and a bunch of weird stuff. That's a, <laughs> won't go too far into that. Um, but that's what those games are, and it's what Nier again continue to do. Uh, and it took a new spin on it to an extent. But these are all people that have character traits that are really viewed as flaws, but they create very interesting situations. And what they do is they don't shy away from problems that we face in the real world. Instead, it uses them as weird. What do you want to say? Uh, weird Lord in. Influence or something. I don't know why I can't think of the word. Callback, influence. No, no, but it uses it as inspiration. Inspiration to choose and kind of go, hey, we're going to take this and run this way with it. Uh, but what ends up happening, you know, in that, and it's one of the great things I love is because of the fact where they talk about, you know, he Yoko Taro doesn't necessarily see the point in games of just doing mindless murder. And because so many games go toward it, definitely a lot of games and his games too, he goes, well, how can we look at those and flip that on its head and say, well, here, here's these enemies. We're killing them. But then as the game continues on and you start to play it again, because near is it made to be played multiple times, just like the second one is yeah. when you start going through it again and you get this new perspective, it's revealed to you, and I'm not going to say exactly what, but it's revealed to you that it's not exactly what you thought. Then you start to understand that these are not just monsters, and you get this feeling that washes over you. If you're like, I've been killing people who are innocent, and they're only attacking me because I'm threatening to them. And it ties cool. into this great thing. So it's kind of like whenever Kadaj and the rest of the people melded to make Sephiroth. <laughs> I don't know what it is about, like, those three characters remind me of Nier characters, and I don't know what it is. I, I kind of get it. And they're technically, like, you know, they're not real really? people. Yeah. So. And, and then they come together to make a new one, which doesn't happen in Nier, but kind of, sort of, <laughs> something. But, yeah, um, no I think that if you've heard me go on and on about those games enough, I just think he has such an odd look at game design to where you see a lot of his things go and cover that. You know, It's, it's, a, it's a unique look. It is. It's, it's, it's not even just odd. It's very unique. And, and I think when you look at one of the things that if I had to say, like one of the most exciting things I heard is that Square did mention that they weren't completely against the idea of, of Taro. Definitely. Finally, this Making is what happens after the after the success of Nier Automata. And this is what it took for them. I think Square's already always liked Yoko Taro because he is a very strange person, an odd character. But his games have never been enough for it to even think about the idea of, well, what if you put him in the Final Fantasy series and see what he did? But instead, you know, that's what they said earlier this year, or maybe even late last year, that they would be entertained uh, and wouldn't necessarily turn away from the idea of letting him direct a Final Fantasy game. And I think that'd be crazy. Uh, it was yeah. very much like how I felt about letting Nomura come in with what was supposed to be 13 verses. It was like, it's a shakeup. And you can even tell by the early things, this is not something we've seen from this series. This is a big shakeup. And I feel like Final Fantasy, as it's gone on, it needs those things. Now, if I think about it, that uh, so that's why I want him to do that, and I think he's a great subjective answer. I, I would think he is. His too. games emotionally resonate with me in a way that I've yet to see anybody else's. Isn't game. isn't he also the director of the new raid in Final Fantasy fourteen? He is at least somewhat involved with it. I didn't. I don't okay. not. I haven't been able to confirm it. I couldn't remember. If he's it's like out the creative there. Of a director, or yeah. if he. I think you know what designer of the raid maybe or something like. Um, that, that comes out like by the end of this month too. Yeah, I spent sixty dollars on that. I better start playing it. But yeah, um, 
But like we said, guys, pretty much Brett's going to confirm this, and I do believe it's it for the episode because Yoko Taro is making a near theme Final Fantasy fourteen raid. Yeah, so we obviously are excited for that. But um, let us know in the comments below. Let us know in Discord, Twitter, Facebook, Patreon, anywhere you want to contact us, and you can contact us. Uh, let us know what your two answers are to that and why. Uh, I really, really want to hear back from this one uh, in particular, more so than other topics, because I do feel that it is a it's a fun topic to talk about. And Josh, we got to hear yours since you asked the question. Yeah, you did ask us the question, Josh. So I know you'll hop into our podcast open discussion and let us know when this goes live. But uh, thank yep. you all for tuning in, and we hope to see you guys at E3, even though you probably see this after E3. Probably, but thanks. Another episode of Triangle Squared Under the Belt. We'll see y'all guys next week. Thank you. Time for pizza. Thanks to our patrons, Chad V, Dan Barber, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green, my name is Dan, Douglas Below, Sean Santarude, Eric McAllister, Matt Sycamore, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stoner, Travis Below, uh, Eduardo Palomino, Stephen Swanland, Coy Live, Philip Laguerre, Corey Hickerson, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Thomas McKinnis, Brandon Edwards, and of course, Sean One Neo. Sean One Neo, and we'll get the real name however you put it on there up yeah. there. But thank, thank y'all. You, if you would like to become a patron, then go to the link in the description or patreon.com slash nartech. Thank you. Thank you.